Irma 365 acknowledges that our work in the community takes place on the traditional lands of many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. And therefore, we respectfully recognise their elders past and present and the ongoing custodianship of the land and water by all members of these communities. Welcome to Get Real, talking mental health and disability. I'm Emily Webb. We've been talking about foster carers in the last few episodes to share the important role they have in the community. These conversations will give you an insight into what it takes to be a foster carer, the ups and downs, and how people who do this vital role can change the lives of the children they care for, and how their lives are changed too. In this episode, we meet Camilla, a mum and foster carer of more than 12 years in Gippsland, Victoria. After providing foster care for many, many children in her home over these years, Camilla now works in a professional capacity in what's called retainer care, which is for younger children who are awaiting a foster care placement. Now, let's meet Camilla. I started off in Tasmania. I grew up in Tasmania and I've ended up here in Gippsland, Victoria, and I'm now running what is called a retainer which is basically an emergency home-based care for children who come into care who are waiting to be placed with foster parents. But I started my journey being a foster parent about 12 years ago. I was a stay-at-home mum with my very young daughter and I wanted to contribute back into the community somehow and I didn't know how. And one morning I got up and I was having a cup of tea at the, the dining table and reading the newspaper and I saw an, an advert in the paper for uh, foster carers want, needed. And I, I thought, mm, I, could, I could do that. So I rang the agency and had a short conversation with them and said basically that because my daughter was so young, she was only two and a half at the time, I only felt that I could offer to take care of babies because I didn't want to bring in older children who could perhaps impact on her adversely. So I thought I could offer to take care of babies. And the lady was really receptive. She said, yes, you can do that. Absolutely. You can choose the different age groups that you want to provide care for, or you can even choose between boys or girls. We leave that up to the carers to tell us what they can offer. So hence that began my journey of being trained and interviewed and assessed to become a foster parent. It's got to a bit of a crisis point at this moment in time and and the pandemic has contributed to that, you know, in more ways than one. But we're always looking for, for high quality carers to come on board and just offer what they can. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a full time foster carer. You can say, all I can offer is maybe uh, one weekend per month. That's wonderful. Yes, thank you. Come on board. You know, if it's two weekends a month, that's great too. Or if you want to be a full-time 24-7 carer, you can do that too. We leave it up to the carers to tell us what they can actually contribute. The first one I had was a little six-month-old baby. And mum was very young. She had a lot of supports in place around her with child protection. She was a 17-year-old mum. And basically what they were doing was just giving her a break because the little one wasn't uh, sleeping 
you know, all night and and mum was starting to get really tired and, and run down. So they put the baby in for a weekend, which is called respite, which was a really nice introduction for me and something really wonderful that mum could access as part of her ongoing relationship that she had with child protection. So that, that ran really smoothly, actually. It was a beautiful little baby girl and she slept really well at our place. Yeah, that, that was a really good outcome for me and I was ready for a new one to come through the door the following weekend. Most of the children that come into care, the objective is always for reunification. That's the majority of them. It's, it's about working with families, their birth families, to actually put supports in place and programs in place to help the family work through the issues, whatever they are, to get the children back into the family home. That's not always possible, of course. And we do have children that come into the system permanently, but the idea is to reunify those family units. It can simply be that a parent, for example, has become unwell and they need to be hospitalised and there is no other family member in the state to step up to take care of that child or doesn't have the capacity to take care of that child. So a child might come into your care for maybe two or three weeks while mum or dad's health improves. There can be accidents. There can be a situation where mum is having or dad is having a mental health issue that needs to be addressed. So the child comes in for, for two or three months while that's addressed and supports are put in place and the child is returned. There's the obvious ones like neglect or abuse or parents who are substance impacted and the parents need to go into programs to get their, their life back on track. It could be that... The parents can't financially support the children because something has happened within their life where they find themselves maybe homeless. We have a huge rental crisis here in this country at the moment, again, pandemic-driven, where the children don't have homes. So a parent may come to child protection and say, look, I need you to provide my child with a, a home while I can sort out a rental property somewhere to provide for them. So there's many, many, many reasons why a child may enter the system. Every, every little personality is different and it depends how they're presenting. The different ways a child can present is they will present as very shy and they will sit in a corner and, and not communicate with you. I've had children like that come in and what I normally do is, depending on their age, I will put on a movie and I will talk to them through the movie. I had a little boy once come in who was three he was a bit different. He was actually presenting as screaming. He was just crying continually. He was just horrified. Where am I? Who are you? Who is, you know, this strange person, this strange house? So I sat him on my knee and I put Toy Story on and I would talk through the movie. Oh, look, what is Woody doing now? Oh, look, Buzz has come in and I'd just keep talking, talking and talking. And eventually he stopped crying and my calm brought calm to his storm and then he would just sit and observe and settle, you know, and start to just realise that he was in a safe place and it was all going to be okay. Another child can come in and they can be very aggressive verbally. They can be, I've had a child throw things at me and, and become, you know, very angry. And I usually, with a child like that, I don't give them eye contact. I will look at their feet. So I've got them in my peripheral vision. I can see what they're about to do and duck and move if I need to. But if they scream something at me, I will just come in with empathy and compassion. Yeah, I get it. I understand why you're angry. 
you've got a right to be angry. I'd be angry too, darling. You know, and once you validate what they're feeling, usually they come to a place of calm because they can realise that you're there to try and help them and you're on their side. You know, you're not going to not going to try and put them into a position of trying to do or forcing them to do something that they don't want to do. Part of being a foster carer, the role in that is to actually do self-development and it's about, you know, becoming a, a better version of who you are, always striving to be a better version or the best version you can be. And there's a lot of self-analysis that goes on. If you're ever put in a situation and you think, gee whiz, that wasn't a really great outcome, How? what could I have done? How could that have been different if I had done something different. So you're always challenging yourself as well. So it's very rewarding in that term because you stand to grow so much. And even my daughter benefit from the children that come in and out of the door. You know, there are some that she connects with and there are some that she doesn't really connect with so much. But there's always a lesson to learn and they always bring value into, into the home. With children who come into care, there's actually three models well, actually four models, really, that we have. One is um, resi units. Now, resi units are run by the department with paid workers that come in on eight-hour shifts. Those homes are usually filled with very highly complex, extreme behaviours, and they're usually teens. Then we have, sitting underneath that, we have the retainers. Now, the retainers are for children who... Maybe they come in at 3am in the morning because they have been removed by police at 3am, all sorts of hours, 24-7 around the clock. And we don't have a foster home or home-based care placement to put them in straight away. So they come here. This is a safe house, house for them to sit back and relax and wait for a placement to come up. We can also have children that come in here who have been displaying complex behaviours beyond the scope and capacity of a home-based carer foster carer from here they might go into what's called a therapeutic placement and a therapeutic placement is set up with specially trained foster carers who've been carers for a very long time who live in around the cbd area we don't have any out here in rural victoria programs are put in place and supports are put in place to help that child learn how to regulate their um, very strong feelings and emotions and they're usually put into those programs for, I think, it's between six to nine months. Maybe it's nine months now. So we've got the resis at the top, the retainers, which is me, the foster carers out there in home-based care, and then we have the therapeutic care for the kids who are beyond the scope of home-based care foster parents. The retainers are homes that are either owned by the department or they are rented. Normally, they are owned by the department. And a carer with many years of experience, I don't know how many years of experience, you know, I think you need at least 10 years experience, but you need to have been or shown experience with a variety of complex behaviours and been able to respond in a way which has warranted you being placed in such, such a home environment. It's a journey. Like, you know, we're all individuals. You, you've got a team of people that stand behind you. And my agency, look, all of those staff members within my agency are just brilliant, brilliant people. They're just fantastic. And it's about talking about any given event or situation and working the best way to navigate your way through that for the child. It's about trying different things and 
if you get into a situation where you've had to relinquish care of a child, and there's no shame in that, there's no shame because some, some children are beyond your scope or capacity and there's nothing wrong with ringing up your agency and saying, look, I just, this, this child is just beyond my capacity at this point in time to care for. That's actually a really good thing for foster parents to do because what that does is it enables the child to go to a placement that is perhaps more suitable for them and, can, and has the capacity to give them whatever it is that they need. I've had to relinquish children in my care. I had a little boy that was impacting adversely on my relationships with my family members and it was causing great distress to my daughter. So he was removed from my care and he was put in a care placement with a grandmother and it was just a one-on-one and that's exactly what that young person needed. Some foster parents become very heightened because they disagree with a judge or, you know, returning returning a child back to their family unit and there needs to be a debriefing process for that. I've been in that situation too where I thought there is no way these two little, I had a sibling group, should be returned. But then I navigated my way through that with the help of my team. And if I hadn't been able to do that, I think I would have thrown the tail in. So you've got to choose every option you can to resolve any issue that, that comes up for you within the process of caring for a young person. With the situation that I was in with these two little toddlers, it was eight years ago now. And this is a very important story because there is no way, there is no way on God's earth that I thought that these children should be returned to their parents. And I had very strong feelings about it. And there were some discussions uh, that they would most likely be permanently removed from these parents and would I consider being their permanent carer. And I was really considering that. So when the coin was flipped and I was told they're actually going to be returned to their parents, I was just gobsmacked. And I struggled greatly with, with, with this decision and I couldn't understand it. At the end of the day, what actually happened and the way I navigated my way through it with, with the help of my team was that I reached a point of understanding where I had to change my attitude that I was bringing to the table about it because my attitude was bringing all of this turmoil within myself. It was creating anxiety within myself and worry within myself. So I, I needed to put that to rest. What I actually came down with was that the fact that is you have judges that have, that have gone through many years of law school and they've been practising family law for many, many, many years and now they're at a point of being a judge They have many years of experience, much more than I have, and I only see the tip of the iceberg. They see the complete iceberg. They have all of the stories and records that child protection has put on the table and all of the information that I have as a foster parent put on the table as well. And from that, they make a decision. So I have to have faith in the system enough to go, you know what, they know more than me. They know more than me. They've made this call based on the knowledge that they have. I don't see the full picture. I don't know the full picture. I made peace with myself over that decision. Now, interestingly enough, I ran into the the case manager only last week of these two young girls, and that was eight years ago that I had them in my care. When, When a child comes into care, they have two case managers, two case workers. One is in CPU, Child Protection Unit, and they deal with the family and the courts. And then they have an agency which are in, which recruit all the foster parents. Now, the agency care, a case worker is a very lovely lady in my agency and I ran into her at lunch 
And for some reason, these two young girls, their names came up. And she goes, oh, I actually saw them. I saw them with mum and dad last week in the supermarket. And I said to her, oh, really? How are they? Because you don't get to hear these stories unless someone, you know, brings it to the table. And she goes, oh, they are just thriving. They are just wonderful. I stopped and I spoke to mum and dad and all the supports that we put in place and all the programs that we helped them with. They've created better versions of themselves and they're in a better place. And it's just a really wonderful outcome, Cam. It's just really, it's sensational. And those are the stories that really uplift you and make you want to keep coming back and doing more and more. As a foster parent, you need to be able to let that go because the case managers do know more than you. The case managers know the family better than you. And there's a whole lot of information that you're not privy to as a carer. You know, your role as a carer is to provide a safe, nurturing environment while you have that child in your care. And you have to be a strong enough individual to relinquish that care when it comes time for them to come home. Or a strong enough individual to be able to stand up and admit to yourself that I'm not coping with this placement. This placement is totally stressing me out to the max and it's impacting on my relationships with my spouse or my children. And for the, for the well-being of my own family, I need to give this, this, this child back. And a lot of foster parents struggle with that because they feel guilty, because they feel like they should be able to. And it's like, no, no, no. There are people in this world that you are going to connect with really well and there are people that you don't. And that child deserves to be in a placement where they're connecting with another individual or, or, or a group of individuals really well. I had another young boy that I had to relinquish care of because he was impacting adversely on my daughter. I mentioned that before. And he went to a one-on-one -on -one carer. That's where he needed to be. You've got to put their needs in front of yours. And if you're struggling as a foster parent with this child, what you've got to think of is you need to think of it like this. If I'm struggling, I need to times that by 10 for that child because a child will behave in a way that tells you how they're coping internally. And if they're creating or bringing this huge storm to the table again and again and again, they're, they're showing you that they're struggling. Here in the retainer, there are times where you can't escape and you do feel overwhelmed. Those moments, I don't know if you've ever read a book called uh, The Power of Now. That is an incredible book. And, and what that does is that it enables you to bring yourself back into this moment, this second. And you can even bring it down to breath. And it's like even being able to have a sip of tea, you know, a cup of tea, a sip of tea, or listen to the silence in between whatever's rolling, you know, in, in the house is a form of self-care because you're, you're not allowing your mind to race and, and create more stress and anxiety for yourself. You've brought it back to breath. You've brought it back to the moment, the second, even to listen to your footsteps walking through the house is a very calming, grounding practice to do. You never stay in the moment. The moment always passes, whatever it is. Just to go outside and, and watch a bee go into a flower or from flower to flower, something that removes your conscious thought process away from that stressful event into something that is far more peaceful. Everyone's different. You really need to list the things that work for you and have a plan of what you're going to do when and if those situations occur. 
I would say by all means go through the process and dip your big toe in the shallow end. Maybe just do a respite. Maybe just offer, look, I'm just going to try and do uh, one weekend a month just to see how I go, what it feels, what it looks like. And I feel really comfortable doing boys or I feel really comfortable just doing the girls or I really feel comfortable just doing this age group. Give yourself time to, you know, get a feel for it. Instead of throwing yourself in at the deep end, and and the the agencies are really good with this too, they usually don't send a complex behaviour type child um, to a new foster parent, but sometimes that does happen because when, when a child comes into the system, sometimes they come in as an unknown, so we don't know about these complex behaviours or we don't know much about the individual at all. But if we do know a lot about them, we tend to give them to the foster parents who've had more, maybe even more life experience than than others. There's there's this other great book, and it's called The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog. It is a brilliant book because it was written by a psychiatrist in in Chicago, in America, but it's a compilation of little short stories about children who have come from trauma and the boy who was raised as a dog is, is one of the stories in the book. There are many stories in the book. But he talks about how trauma impacts on the, the brain and how it presents in relationships that the children have with friends, families and their families. He talks also about the wonderful outcomes that, that can be had. Even, even if a child has come from extreme trauma, you can just have these beautiful outcomes with just being able to move with the child in a way that works for them. It's not about you overlaying what you think, you know, or your opinions on the child. It's about moving with the child at the child's pace and doing what what they need that brings them comfort. I have grown so much as an individual, you know, over the last 12 years than if I had not open myself up to this experience. I have become more compassionate. I have become more empathetic, not only towards the children themselves, but for their parents as well and their families. Life can be very difficult, even within highly functioning families. You know, we all have little bits of dysfunction somewhere or that auntie or uncle or person that we don't particularly get on with for whatever reason. But those those little intricacies are handed down from generation to generation to generation. Anybody, you know, moving through life understands that we all grow. It, we don't stop growing. We don't stop learning. You know, it's, it's a continual journey all the way until the end. To throw yourself into this experience is one of the most rewarding things you will ever do. Thanks to our guest, Camilla. If you are interested in becoming a foster carer and live in Victoria, contact Fostering Connections on 1800 013 088 or go to the website fosteringconnections.com.au. Details are in the show notes. If you have been affected by anything discussed in this episode, you can contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or there's 13 Yarn on 13 92 76 which is 24-7 crisis support for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. You've been listening to Get Real, talking mental health and disability, brought to you by the team at Irma 365. See you next time.